0: Praise God for this evening. Praise God for every single person in here. Praise God that Vaisa is bald, shaved all his hair off, and just like all the sin has to come off in our lives, all the hair came off on his head. Getting spiritual up in here. I want us all to open up to a Matthew chapter 5, where, uh, you know, when we decided that that uh, we're gonna be seeking God through these three chapters Matthew 5 six and seven where we made that decision and, and we and we decided to read one of those chapters every single day added it onto our Bible plan and and we decided that uh, every Friday up until camp maybe even afterwards we'll see what God does we're gonna we're gonna preach on what Jesus preached about and um, you know it's just it's been an amazing journey so far it's just been amazing reading these three chapters over and over again and it's like every single time there's a different, aspect of it that kind of pops up at you just praise God for that so we're mostly going to be in those three chapters today Uh, so keep your Bibles there and uh today I'm going to be talking about topic of looking through God's eyes looking through God's eyes Uh, you know uh, in, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8 it says God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. This word heart, this word heart, it comes up a lot in the Bible. You know, uh, when we look at each other, you know, we see with our physical eyes. You know, we see head, we see arms, we see legs, we see the eyes, and all that stuff. When God looks at us, it's a little bit different. You know, God doesn't care about the way we physically look, as much as He cares about our hearts. And as much as He cares about what our hearts are like. And today, I'm, I'm really going to be driving this point because uh, God has just been speaking to me about the heart a lot. And I know that uh, it's a powerful revelation and it's going to help us to uh, seek Him and become more like Him every single day. So where is our heart? Where is our heart? What, what is our heart like? When, you know, there's a lot of, Uh, little moments that happen in our lives a lot of little decisions that we make in our lives and with every single one of those decisions that we make there's kind of what happens in the physical world and then there's kind of what happens in your heart like uh, for example the Pharisees the Pharisees spoke all the right things they did some things right you know Jesus said they tied the littlest of the little that they had they were technically doing the right thing they were technically doing what the law was saying, but their heart was far from where God wanted it to be. And because their heart was far from it, they didn't get the point of the law. And they didn't do it the way God planned for it to be done. And, you know, I, I heard this awesome quote The heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. You know, we think about all the things that are messed up in this world, and we're like, God, what is going on? How, do you not exist? The problem is not that God doesn't exist the problem is that the human heart is twisted the problem is that the human heart is full of sin it's full of deception it just wants to do it's like it's like we naturally just want to do the wrong thing all the time it's like we naturally want to look at things that we shouldn't look at we naturally want to go to places that we don't want that we shouldn't go to we naturally want the things that we don't really need you know this word need it it really lost its meaning in today's world. You know, everybody's like, I need this, I need that. No, you need water every day, you need food every day, you need a place to live, you need clothes. That's what you need. You don't, uh, uh, now we're getting like real deep up there, and you need God, and you need Jesus, you need the Holy Spirit, or you need the gifts of the Spirit. But you know, a lot of times we're like, oh man, I need that new phone, I need that, I need that. You don't need it. You don't need it, that's not a necessity, and the one thing we really need is, like Vizik said, he beat me to the point, we need God. We need Jesus in our hearts. That's what we need more than anything. Because when God will live in our hearts, you know, when he's sitting on that throne in, in our hearts, when he's the master of our lives, we stop caring about these things as much uh, as much as, as we do right now. You know, I was, I was looking over my notes from when we went to New York, and we got to be there during a staff meeting, and Bill Wilson was preaching. And he was talking about the muck and the mire. Pretty much he's talking about, you know, going through dirt. I don't, I don't know how else to say it, but he said this awesome thing. He, he said, the more things that you have, the more concerned about those things you are. You know, the more stuff that you get, the more you're focused on those things that you get. The more cars you have, the nicer your car is, the more you're focused on. Oh, man, I got to make sure it's clean every single time. I got to make sure it sparkles. When I drive, you know, when I drive by, I got to drive kind of slow. So everybody sees that I'm coming, roll down my windows, put on my shades, you know, so everybody knows that, hey, I'm here. When, when you got Jesus in your heart, you don't do that. <laughs> I'm just going to, uh, this message is going to, might cut somebody deep. I don't apologize for it. Uh, that's what Jesus did. That's what That's what we do here. And, you know, godly people don't do junk like that. Godly people don't walk with their pants down here. Godly people, don't walk with V-necks down here. Amen. Amen. In Matthew 5, verse 8, the first scripture that we read, it said, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. So there's, see, I'm, I'm a guy, I really like math. I like equations. I like very simple stuff. So pretty much if we put this into math, it says, If your heart is pure, equals you will see God. If your heart is pure, you will see God. Simple as that. What does it mean to have a pure heart? Does that mean that we are always perfect and we never sin? That's a good question. I don't really know the answer. To that. No, is is that, is that what it means? Does it mean that you know, if I'm not always perfect, if I mess up sometimes, does that mean that I don't have a pure heart? You no, know, God, God, like I said, God looks into our hearts, right? God looks into our hearts. A lot of times we can, we can even. You know we're humans. It's no secret that none of us are perfect. Is there anybody perfect in here? If there's anybody perfect, there's a door right there. You can you can walk out. because This message ain't gonna help you. You need like encounter or something. But you know our hearts are like even when we mess up sometimes. You know we can still keep our heart pure. We can still repent of whatever we've done. We can still walk up to a person, ask for forgiveness. We can still get right. You know, and that's what I believe having a pure heart is. That's not having whole purity. That's not being holy. That's not what I'm talking about. That's only God. And we can live every single day and just strive towards that. Every day of our lives. But, you know, to have a pure heart is to have a heart where you are willing to accept criticism. Where you are willing to accept that you are wrong sometimes. (laughs) Me, I'm wrong. Yeah, you're wrong. You messed up. You did something wrong. That's what having a pure heart means. And uh, I was I was just thinking about uh, I was just thinking about the the situation that that, that rises up in my life. Uh, pastor walks up to me, or just just for any situation, pastor walks up to you and he just asks you to do something. He asks you, Hey, can you lock up the church? May, you know, wait till everybody leaves. Lock up the church. You know, and he looks at you with his eyes, and you look at him, you're like, Yeah, sure, pastor, whatever. Yeah, let sure. And then there's moments where it's not pastor coming up to you and asking you, "Hey, can you stay here late and lock up the church? Because there's nobody else to do it." And I notice, I, I I used to do this myself. I even do this sometimes. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say I'm perfect because I don't want to put myself in that. So I might still mess up and do that, but I will always repent. But you know, somebody asks you and you're like, "Can you like, find somebody else to do it? I really I don't feel like it. I gotta do stuff at home." But you know, when pastor asks you. You're always like, yeah, 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 pastor, I, I got this, sure. You know You know what's interesting? God doesn't see who's asking you. You know, he's looking at your heart. You know, God is a very personal God. He specifically looks at your heart. And he doesn't see that it's pastor asking you or Dennis asking you. All he sees, what's in your heart. Do you have a servant's heart where you're willing to do the right thing? Or do you have a rebellious heart when somebody other than pastor is asking you to do something? And, you know, and, and that could go real deep. When you do stuff like that, it means you got some kind of selfish ambitions inside of you. you got some plans. You're trying to gain some position in the church. You're trying to make pastors think that you're this holy guy. When God doesn't look at us like that. God looks at your heart. God wants you to do the right thing even when it's not fun. Even when it doesn't get us any attention or any glory. You know, when you set up chairs, ushers, do it as if you're doing it for God. You know, some ushers are good at that. Some ushers need to be smacked. Because it's like everybody's moving chairs. They're like, it, it seems fine to me. No, it's crooked, dude. Look at it. Huh. You know, think about stuff. Start start, start moving. Start moving, you know, that, that gooey gray thing inside your head that God gave you. Start moving and start thinking. Start, start thinking, okay, I'm supposed to be moving chairs right now. Is everything... In this area that I'm at, is everything here perfect? Because, you know, when you do something for God, you do it perfectly. But when you do something for other people, sometimes we're not as perfect with it. You know? God looks at our hearts. God looks at our hearts. And uh, we're pretty much going to be just jumping back and forth in these three chapters. But uh, in Matthew 7:12, I'm going to be going kind of quick because I don't want to spend too much time. And God lets to say so. Matthew seven twelve. It's very simple. The golden rule: Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Do to others as you would like done for you. Do you like it when somebody just kind of like? Uh, do you like it when your mom just kind of throws food on your plate and then just kind of like brings it like here? eat. You know, that's that's. I, don't, I wouldn't like that. My mom doesn't do that, but I wouldn't like that. Just imagine your mama just taking some bread, not even cutting it, just giving you the whole loaf, throwing it on your plate, throwing a meatloaf on there, throwing some veggies that are still frozen. Like here, eat. Like, Excuse me. No, you don't do. It. You know, a lot of times that's what we are. That's what we are like when we do something for others. You know, when we do stuff for ourselves, we put our full effort into it. When we're doing something for my ministry, when I'm working for my own ministry, I put my full effort. When somebody else needs help in their ministry, I just kind of, you know, find time to help them if if I'm free. You know, that's not you know I believe God is calling us for something deeper than that. I believe God is calling us to just to just have that 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 servant's heart, to just have that heart that Jesus did. If you if you notice, every time somebody walked up to Jesus, He would always do what they asked Him to do, whether it's to heal somebody, whether it's to go pray for somebody to rise from the dead. He always asked them. The only time He wouldn't do something is when the Pharisees came up to Him. And they're like, "Hey, we want to see a miracle." And he's like, "Uh, no, y'all ain't going to get nothing. Because their hearts weren't pure. Their hearts were wicked. Do to others as you would like done for you. And another place, Matthew 6, verses 3 and 4. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Very simple. Very simple. Uh, Who's ever fasted in this place? Okay, good. A lot of people. Now, do you consider it a fast if you don't eat anything and you go around telling everybody that you're fasting? That's not a fast. That's, uh, that's, that's called being a Pharisee. It starts with the same sound as fast. You know, Pharisee, fast. It's not. It's not fasting. Fasting is when you don't eat nothing and you have a smile on your face and you're walking around and nobody can even tell that you're fasting. And if somebody asks you, hey, do you want something to eat? You don't say, no, 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 I'm fasting, sorry. Do you want something to eat? No, I'm just, I I don't want anything to eat. You know, what do you think God wants us to do? No, 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 I'm fasting, sorry, I can't, I can't eat with you. I I just, I'm I'm not going to eat, you know. Just think, what would our pastor say? (laughs) That's how I think a lot of times when when I think about what the right thing to do is, because it's kind of hard to imagine what Jesus would do, and we can't ever truly become like Jesus. I'm like, what would pastor say? Pastor never goes around saying, I'm fasting. I fasted this many days. I spent this many hours in prayer. I've never heard him do that. That means we should probably not do that because that is the, honestly, that is the godliest man that I've ever seen walk on this earth. You just look at him and you're like, man, he reminds me of Jesus. Amen. I want to throw out some names out here. And if you've ever heard any of these names, I want you to raise your hand for a second. so, So pay attention. Have anybody ever heard of Ben Fielding? Jonathan Douglas, Jad Gillies, Taya Smith, Reuben Morgan, Maddie Crocker. Okay, Jad Gillies, Marty Sampson. Okay, very very few people heard any of these names. You know, you know what I want to tell you. Every single one of those names that I just named are worship leaders for Hillsong. You don't know any of them, but you know the name Hillsong. You know what what they've done. Through, through the revelation of worship that God's given them. But you don't know the dudes and the women's names. Why? Because they're not doing it so that their name is lifted up. You know, they, they got a revelation. They're like, we're going to start making worship songs. And that's what they do. And that's what they do. And, and everybody knows the name Hillsong. It's a household name. Every single church in America almost sings their song. Most people don't even know those names that I just named. And those are people that have been there for years. Years. I'm not talking about somebody who just kind of sparked up in two years and, you know, he's on fire and he's all good. No, these are people who've been there for a solid 10, 15 years. You know, that's what, that's just like a little example, but that's what I want my life to be. I don't want my name to be lifted up. I don't want, you know, everybody to know that, you know, this guy goes to this church and he's an awesome preacher. No, I want them to know that there's an I-68 youth in Bothell and they've got fireballs up in there and, you know, send people that way. They'll start changing the world. They'll, they'll start doing something amazing. You know, that's where our heart needs to be. That's what we need to be focused on, the, the big picture, not any selfish ambition or the things that we do. You know, when your heart is going to be right with God, then your deeds will kind of like just automatically follow. You know, when your heart is pure, when your heart is right, when your heart is focused on glorifying God, like we were, like we were singing in, in that last song, When our heart is focused on that, we'll automatically start doing the right things. But you know what? But it is possible to do good deeds and not have the right heart. And that's why we see a lot of Christians fall. And a lot of them, it's like, where did this come from? They were serving yesterday. They were doing all these awesome things. Now I'm reading the papers, and it's just scary what I'm reading. Why? Because it's possible to have good deeds but not have a a right heart. But at the same time, it's not possible for you to have a right heart and for you to have bad deeds or for you to not have any good deeds. You know, when you have a pure heart, you start serving. You start doing something. You start functioning. You're like, okay, God's given me one, two, five, ten talents. What, what can I start doing with these things that he's given me? What can I start doing with all this free time that I got? What can I start doing with these finances that I've been blessed with? You know, it's things like that. And you start doing those good deeds out of that out of that just abundance of joy that's in your heart of of the salvation that you've received you just start doing all these things they just start coming out of you they start just popping out of you amen Matthew Matthew 5 uh, 28 but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart I, I looked at these three chapters, and I just searched for the word heart, and it comes up in three spots. We read the first spot. This is the second, and the third is in a, a chapter 6 in verse 21. It says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So it's kind of the first one is saying those who, whose hearts are pure, they will see God. Then the next two are pretty much like really narrowing the path for us. First one is saying pretty much you don't even have to physically sin. You just have to have it inside of you. You just have to think something you know voluntarily you know and you've already committed sin in your heart or where you have so many treasures and you're focused on it and mammon is your god and money is is everything and your possessions are everything you've already sinned in your heart you've already lost the battle even though you even though you can still keep coming to church every Friday every Sunday you can still keep serving but you've already lost it and you still have a chance, you know, as long as God is being gracious to you, as long as he's being merciful to you, you still have a chance to turn around. But, you know, that chance isn't going to last forever. That's just, uh, hey, that's, the, that's just the scary truth. You know, our possessions, it's like we get so focused on these things that will one day just disappear. They'll just be gone. You know, you don't need MasterCard, you need Master God. You know, woo you know you don't need these possessions you don't need you know get with the lord or drive a fort what i don't remember what the other one had. Yeah. get sanctified or get chicken fried something like that you know what 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 is what what do you treasure in your heart you know what is the treasure in your heart is it is it possessions is it all these physical things or is it souls that that's that's what i realized that's what the difference is you got possessions on one side and you got souls on the other what are you focused on? Getting money, getting possessions, or getting people saved? Or getting souls into heaven? Or getting souls out of, out of hell and getting them into heaven? What, are, what is your treasure? What is, what is your American dream? What do you want? What, what, are, what are you striving for? What are you living for? What are you fighting for? Possessions or soul. You know, are we working on our characters? Are we working on our hearts? You know, like I said, we're all human. We all mess up. But are we just kind of accepting that and going with the flow? Or, or are we fighting it? are we fighting these desires are we fighting these sins are we you know when we mess up do we do we you know beat ourselves in the chest and say god forgive me god i want i want this out of me god i want you to purify me take that cold god cleanse my lips it, it, with all the pain god with with with, with all the painful stuff god I, I'm, I'm willing to do it because i want to be pure because i want to be clean because i want to be made holy god or is it just kind of going with the flow and you know, hopefully I'll, I'll i'll get there you know, because there's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no. When somebody comes up and is like, no, I don't agree with what you say, I'm like, well, I don't agree. I don't care if you don't agree with what I say, because what I say is what Jesus said. So if what I say is right, then Jesus said, He is the way, the truth, and the life, and I'm going the way, the truth, and the life, and you're not going the way, the truth, and the life, and there's only one way to heaven. Simple as that. There's a lot of moments in, in, in chapter 5, especially, where. Where uh, Jesus starts out by saying, "You have heard," and then he says, "But I say," you know, there's like five or six places when he talks about when he talks about anger, when he talks about adultery, divorce, vows, and and revenge. He says, "You have heard that the law says, don't do this or do this or don't do this," he, but I say, so he's clarif- he he's clearing it up. He's clarifying what 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 the point of that was. And you know, like I said, he's looking for more than just good deeds. He's looking for more than just you trying to to be legalistic and always legally be in the clear. He's looking for something deeper. He wants your heart, and he wants all of it. He doesn't, you know, I, I, re, I read these things where it's like people list the most important things in their life, and it's like first is Jesus, and then they start naming these things. It's, God doesn't even want that. God, God doesn't want a list in your heart. He just wants there to be Jesus, and that's it. You, you know, you don't need to say, you know, Jesus, then my education, a good job, and all these things. Those are the things I'm focused on. But, you know, first and foremost, I'm focused on the will of God. No. You're focused on the will of God, and that's it. Everything else will take care of itself. That's in these same three chapters. You know, seek first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be given to you. You'll get your good education. You'll get a decent job where you make enough money to survive, and you'll still be able to serve. And the job won't get in the way of your ministry. But if you go out and you seek your own career, if you go out and you seek your own education, it's interesting how a lot of times those are the people that can't be consistent in their ministries. Why does that happen? Because there's other ambitions inside of us. There are other things that we're striving for other than God's kingdom and getting souls saved. But when that's our, that's our full focus, we'll find a job where maybe we don't make as much as we would at another job. We'll find a job where technically we're not reaching our full potential here on this physical earth. That's what my uncles keep telling me. He's like, you've got a brain. Why don't you go to school? Become a lawyer. I'm like, because then I won't be in church. Because then I won't be focused on getting people saved anymore. Why do I need this? Why do I need this? Oh, you you don't understand. You'll understand when you're 30 years old. And I just stay quiet. I'm like, we'll see. And I kind of just want to say, well, you're like 50 years old and you're sitting at home right now. Just stay quiet. I say that inside myself. You know, but when you see God, when you see God first and foremost, man, I'm telling you, I don't need to live until 30 years old to figure it out. Man, everything else will take care of itself. I'm, I'm looking at Zima, and we just went to Mexico, and he spent a week there. Then he came and he worked for like what three days, and then, and then we, we, we had a little short vacation where we didn't miss any ministry. That's what I believe a true vacation is, by the way, where you don't miss any youth services, where you don't miss any church services, where you don't miss anything that, that you, where you should be. That's a side note right there. But we had a little short vacation, and then, you know, it's like he worked for three more days, and then he takes off for three, three weeks to Europe. And I'm thinking, I'm like, dude, you have a family to support? Oh, and his wife's going with him too. Mission trip. And you're like, it doesn't make sense logically, but God will take care. God will find, you know, they'll find finances. God will bless them. They'll, they'll, get, they'll start digging in, the, in their front yard. Oh, look, man, there's a bag of gold here. Wow, look at that. Something amazing will happen. Somebody will knock at their door. Hey, you guys are in a, a, a flight path of some airplane that flies by. Every, and the value of your house went down by $50,000. So here's $50,000 for you. I've heard of stories happening like that. I, sh- I shared when I was at uh, one of the school clubs. It's just amazing how God can work, but He'll take care of you. Just have faith. Jump. Take that step of faith. Jump. Do the right thing. Do the thing that you know you need to do, even if you don't want to. Even if you don't feel like it. Just do it anyways. Just do it anyways. God will support you. God will take care of you. I just want to share just uh, from my personal experience. I got this job two and a half years ago. Two and a half years ago. I I just kind of got the job. I was just getting paid. Very low, just hourly. But it was an awesome job. Why? Because I could always take the time that I needed off. I wouldn't get paid for it. Just sacrifice that I had to make. But I'm I'm okay with it, you know. And so so that's the that's my that was my only criteria when I was looking for a job. It was just I need to be able to take time off when I need time off. When there's a missions trip, when there's a conference, when there's camp, I need time off. And you know, and I don't want a job where I have to. Battle with my boss all the time over that time off. I just want a job where maybe they won't rely on me as much. Maybe I won't earn as much as the other guys, but I just want that. That's all that's important for me in my life. And I got a job like that. I got a, a, a just kind of like a low wage hourly, just working, working there two and a half years. Half a year ago, pretty much there's a me and there was another guy working at the at, at this position where we actually convert the cameras. It's a nerdy job, geeky job. It's not interesting. I don't. I don't do anything cool like make airplane parts or build houses. No, I just take a. That's it. Got a lot of snacks at work. It's very hard to fast. When man, when I start, when I fast at work, man, I have to just like take. Whoo man! Just thinking about it right now. I got like chocolate-covered almonds. I got like three types of cookies, chips, all, and I'm just munching this stuff. So when I start fasting, I gotta like throw everything under the table because it's just hard. But anyways, at the at the at this job that I'm at, man, I can't. I, 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 never mind. I won't, I won't get into that. At this job that I'm at, pretty much half a, half a year ago, uh, they fired the other guy that was at the position that, that that I'm working on. You know, there was two of us. He's been there for seven years he you know this is this is a really weird job this is not something that you go to college to train for this is something it's just like you know either you got it or you don't just simple as that you just got to be a geek like a really big geek that's the honest truth and and this guy's been working there for seven years he's had you know seven years of experience but and he i'll even say this just so some of you see the reality of things he was a christian He goes to a church here, not not too far away from here. I won't name the church. I don't even know the name of the church. I never even wanted to find out the name of the church after meeting this guy. But he goes to a church. Pretty much, he's been doing a lot of messed up things at work. He's been cheating on his wife. Just, I could keep listing things I'm not going to, but these are Christians nowadays. Uh, Half a year ago, Pretty much, boss got fed up with him. He's just like, you know, you're out of here. I'm kind of like, uh, you remember our agreement, right, about the schedules and the me, you know, not being here all the time and not being really committed to this work? He's kind of like, I just couldn't put up with that guy anymore. I'm like, okay, I'm not changing anything. And he's kind of like, well, we'll see. We're making it work. And the average was. What was like expected of us was I was supposed to do because you know working there for two years, I'm kind of uh, I don't know, I, I pick things up easily so after two years, I'm pretty much at the same speed that he was at. But well he was pretty much there too after a couple of years so just he's been working there seven years had more experience. but so pretty much the average is we're supposed to get five cameras done a day. I do five cameras, he does five cameras, 10 cameras in total. He got fired. You know what I started averaging, I started averaging like 11, 12 cameras a day. And I'm just looking at this. And I literally, I just like look over at the clock. And I'm like, what just happened? Because I honestly, I'm telling you, God like freezes this time. I don't even know what's going on. So I've been working there for half a year. I got a big raise, big bonus. And the company's not suffering. Everything's good. I'm still able to go to camps. I'm still able to go to missions trips. You know, God will provide God will provide when you when you're faithful. God will provide. I just the reason I'm sharing that's not to show off. The reason I'm sharing that is to say it's possible. That's pretty much it's possible. It's possible to have a life like that. It's possible to have a job like that. Amen. Uh, the, uh, I was thinking. Uh, actually, I heard in a in a in a sermon this week, kind of uh, just just thinking about this topic. This one preacher was talking about the Pharisees, and he actually made this interesting point that I never thought about. Remember in uh, John, uh, you guys don't have to open up there, in John chapter 8, verse 3, there's a moment where the Pharisees come up to Jesus with a woman who was caught in adultery. They're like, Jesus, what do we do with her? And Jesus starts writing in the sand or or drawing a line, and he's like, if you've never sinned, you know, start stoning her. They couldn't do anything because they've all sinned. But what this preacher said was very interesting. How did the Pharisees catch her? In while she was committing adultery, how is that even possible for somebody to catch somebody else committing adultery unless you're right there in that same place? Another question is how come the man that was caught in adultery, how come nothing is said about him? How come he's not put on trial? I don't know, I'm not a scientist. All signs point to the Pharisees were involved in this act in some way or another. That's reality, guys. That's reality of the world that we live in, where the title Christian does not mean anything anymore. Somebody can say they're a Christian, but their heart is completely distant from God. It's completely away. It has not. They when you come to church, you 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 say all these Christian things, you pray you know how to speak christianese you know how to do all these things you know all these little slangs all these little terms you know everything but when nobody's around you or when you're around people who are on the same level as you you're nothing like what you're like here in church and that's just reality of the world that we're living in that's just that's that's what the lukewarm church is that is what that church is it's when you say one thing but you're not it's when you're kind of in here but then you're not you go to a conference you get fired up 3 months down the road you're back to where you started. That 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 that's what this and man I, I could just imagine God's frustration when he looks at this. It's just every time Jesus spoke to the Pharisees it's like, you know, Jesus settled down, man, they're you know, he's like, "No, man, you brutal vipers, you snakes, you" and I'm, "Oh, man, I get kind of uncomfortable reading these things. I couldn't call somebody a snake or a dog." Why? It's, it's not that he was saying, you know, them as people, that's what they are. The things that they do just make God so sick to his stomach that he has no other way to react. So when you say one thing but you do another, God hates hypocrisy. He hates that spirit. He hates that lukewarmness. He hates that fakeness. And you know, and it's like when you get God inside of you, when you get God in your heart, you start hating these same things too. When you see somebody doing this, it's like you just have this anger inside of you, and you don't even you don't even feel bad about it. It's like because you're not angry at the person, you're angry at the things that he's doing. And it's it's not that you're like you know you hate the person so much. You just the the fact that their life is harming the name of God, the fact that their life is bringing shame to Jesus, that makes you so angry, and you're just I can't stand this. Because when God gets inside of us, the things that are in His heart becomes the things that are on our heart. When God is inside of us, his desires become our desires. His plans become our plans. You know, I used to have a dream to become a soccer player and do this and do that. Now the only thing I'm dreaming of is I got to get somebody saved in my life. I got I want, I'll share with you a personal goal that I said. I want to bring somebody, I want to bring somebody off the streets. I want to bring them up into church. I want to see them pray. I want to see them bow down before God, cry in tears, repent, and have their life changed permanently. That is my dream. That's what I want to do. That's my goal. That's what I strive for. That's what God wants. That's what God desires. He wants everybody to get saved, but we can't get other people saved if we ourselves are off somewhere on our own path. If we're doing our own things, if our hearts are wicked, we have to become, you know, more like Jesus, more of Him. You know, it's, we hear that so much in this youth, and I I don't know, every single time it is just like a reminder to me. It's not something that gets annoying. Just more of him. More of him. Get more of him in your life. You know, just get get get, you know, do the things that Jesus said. You know, Dennis, Dennis spoke about this too. You. you know, it's like the whole Bible's great. But when you see the words in red, it's like something extra has to just spark inside of you. Or even in the old testament, where it's not just God speaking through Moses, but where it's God speaking himself. You know when you see those words there's just something special about those words because those are just like pure unfiltered boom just straight from the mouth of god straight from the mouth of jesus and you know when we read these three chapters they are so radical they are so insane at the end of chapter 5 the very last verse after he talks about you know don't have anger in your heart don't have lust in your heart don't you know keep all your vows let your yes be yes let your no be no don't have any revenge it's not an eye for an eye tooth for a tooth anymore you know turn the other cheek forgive the person and it's like you're already reading then you're like jesus this is impossible and then just to knock you out in the very last verse he says but you are to be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect and you're like oh my whoo are you serious jesus Read his words. Read the red text. Read what he said. That's what his heart desires. That's what he wants from our lives. You know, we get so caught up in so many little dumb things in this life. We get caught up in other people, and, we, you know, we start watching other people. We're like, well, he's not doing this, or she's not doing this, or they're doing this, you know. So you start justifying your own actions. God looks at your heart. Like I said, he's a personal God don't look at other people don't compare yourself to compare yourself to Jesus that's your only comparison compare yourself to Jesus if you're not doing things like Jesus then something's wrong with you you got to change you got to repent you got to pray you know we, we talk a lot about 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 getting into the word getting into prayer you know get into yourself fix yourself you know I believe if you do those three things every single day of your life read your bible pray Work on yourself. If you do those three things every single day of your life, I truly believe that you'll make it. Just do those things consistently every single day. Every single day be open for, for correction. Every single day be open to hear the Holy Spirit telling you that you've done something wrong. Every single day open up His Word and let Him speak to you through His Word. Every single day go into your room, close the door and just pray and just seek His face and just seek His voice. If you do those three things, you, don't, you, you won't even have to worry about being a Pharisee. That'll be so distant. It, it, that'll be like some, that, that's like just some real intense college math and you're in kindergarten. You just don't even, un, you, you don't even have a clue on how to understand what they're doing. Don't worry about others. Fix yourself. Work on yourself. Work on your character. Stop, stop justifying your actions by, by the lukewarm people around you. By your friends that maybe shouldn't even be your friends. Watch what comes out of your mouth. Watch what your tongue says. The Bible says that the tongue has the power of life and death. What kind of things are coming out of your mouth? What kind of perversion is coming out of your mouth? What kind of jokes are coming out of your mouth? You know, salt water and fresh water can't come out of the same place. If you're constantly talking about garbage, don't expect God to speak through you. Don't expect God to to give you the gift of prophecy and that you'll start prophesying and speaking into people's life. Don't expect that. If you're making dirty perverted jokes with your friends at school, don't expect God to show up every single time you pray and you know you get the you get the the goosebumps all over your body and you're like oh Jesus. Don't expect that. If you don't have a pure heart, don't expect God's blessing in your life. If you don't have a pure heart, don't expect God and don't don't get mad at him where he's like, God, why why isn't my job blessing me? Why am I not getting a raise? Why am I not making more money? Because God's protecting you. If you make more money, you'll completely destroy yourself. He's still giving you another chance. Seek God. Seek God's heart. Seek a pure heart. Seek a clean heart. Have that be the focus of your life. Have that be your dream. You know, just God has just been bombarding me about the tongue lately. He's like, man, no, watch what comes out of your mouth. Even all these little things that we never notice. You know, a lot of times we don't re- realize what our, what, our, what our mouths do. You know, we'll say a tiny joke and somebody's face drops. Most of the times we won't even notice. We'll make fun of somebody. We'll pick at somebody. They're going through a tough time. You really just got them in a bad time. They're just joking around. Be pure. Be pure in everything that you do. Be pure in the words that come out of your mouth. Every single time when, when you do something wrong, go up to the person. Apologize. Just humble yourself. That's how you'll start fixing yourself. I noticed personally in my life, that's how you start working on it. Just start apologizing. Make, be at peace with everybody. Do your best to be at peace with everybody. Even if, even if you haven't said something wrong, even if you stood by your ground and you said technically all the right things but you got angry and, and, and you and, and, and some person are in a conflict, just go apologize. Go apologize for getting angry. Go apologize for raising your voice. Be at peace with everybody. Be at peace with the people around you. You know, God puts us through tests. I've, uh, there's this number that keeps coming up in the Bible over and over and over again. And I've noticed that, especially when it, when it comes to tests, this number has come up. And it's the number 40. It's the number 40. And it's like every single time God was testing somebody, it's like the number 40 would pop up. When God was testing Noah with building the ark, you know, and when he was in the ark, how long did it rain for? 40 days, 40 nights. You know what's interesting? After it stopped raining, you know how long it took until Noah opened a window in his ark? 40 days. 40 days. And we see that Noah is and his family is the lone survivor. They got God's blessing. Moses, he went up on the mountain to pray for 40 days. If we even go deeper than that, when he left Egypt, he was in the desert 40 days before God spoke to him. For years thank you d money he went up went, but, but when they came out of egypt and he was with the people he went up on the mountain to pray for 40 days he fasted he didn't says he didn't eat anything and he didn't even drink anything right nothing man imagine doing that for 40 days 40 days and then he comes down and he sees a golden calf he breaks the 10 commandments he's like then he goes back up the mountain second time 40 days again guess the 10 commandments the laws the 12 spies you know, when we talk about Joshua and Caleb, the other ten. When they went to scout the land, you know how long they were scouting the land for? Forty days. They were scouting the land for forty days, and after those forty days, two of those spies came back, and they were faithful, and they are like, yes, we can do this. God has given us this land. Well, the other ten did not. And Israel failed that test. They did not go and take the land. So you know what they had to do? They had to walk around in circles for forty years until they finally got it. Forty years. David... When he went up against Goliath, that was 40 days after Goliath has been challenging Israel. David came up to him after 40 days. What else? Going into the New Testament, Jesus, after his first miracle, what does he do? Goes into the desert, prays, fasts for 40 days. You know what's amazing? After those 40 days, that's when Jesus really started working. That's where he really started doing amazing things. Healing's all over the place people getting saved all this amazing things he calls the 12 disciples just all these amazing things the disciples after Jesus resurrected Jesus was with them 40 days he was with them for 40 days after that I believe 10 more days passed till the Pentecost Pentecost was 50 days and then Holy Spirit came onto them they started they changed this world the message that they spoke is being spoken right now 40 days, these tests that God puts us, these times of trial that God puts us through. You know, when God, uh, we, we read this uh, recently. It says God will never, uh, God will never pretty much like put you in a test that's impossible for you to, to, to pass. Everything, every test that you go through, it is possible for you to go through it. Sometimes we just don't want to. Sometimes we just don't feel like it. But there, yeah, there's always a way out. There's always a way to, to get through this test. At the end of every single test, there's always a blessing. Every single time God challenges you and you actually step over yourself, you do the right thing, there's a blessing in your life. There's just something awesome in your life. It's like, a, it's like we grow. You know, as Christians, we grow. We grow. We start at level 1. We grow. We get up to level 10. On level 10, we're all excited. We're all hyped up. Then we go to level 11. And level 11 is like level 1 but on a new level. You know, it's like you're going through the same desert, but you're already deeper in God. And you, we go, you go through these cycles, and you grow, and you mature, and you go through these seasons. And it's important for you to step into your season the right way. When you know it's going to get tough, you know, clench your fists, get ready. Get ready to fight. Get ready to keep going. Get ready to, to, to keep pushing through. Get ready to keep on trucking. You know, beast mode up in here. You know, get ready to, get ready to really move. You know, get ready to go. Cause after level 11 you get up to level 20 and you're like yeah I'm on top of the world then you go to level 21 and it's like oh man and it's like every single day you you're just struggling struggling and then that 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 river comes into your life that fresh water just gets into your life and you're like yes this is what I've been fighting for this is what I want in my life and it's not something that's just based off of emotions and something that just gets you temporarily it's something that 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 gets so rooted in you that even in the times when you don't feel anything You'll keep on going. You know, I'll be completely honest with you for these past three, maybe even four months. I've been coming. Sundays, I've been coming to prayer. I went on a missions trip. I've been doing the right thing. I'll be completely honest with you. I don't feel nothing. I'm preaching to you right now. I don't feel nothing. That's just, I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. I pray every single time. Everybody around me is like, oh, that was an awesome prayer. And I'm like, you know, like like, like Bob Bob Schwartz said, are we even on the same planet? You know, everybody's like, man, that was the greatest prayer ever. Yeah, yeah, who will harvest prayer? And you're like, dude, no, it wasn't. And it's like everybody around you is receiving something, and you're just kind of saying it, and you're like, hey, God, I'm still here. You know, just reminding you, still down here. You can kind of pour out just a couple drops at least, you know, something. Nothing. Nothing. You know what keeps you going through these times? Having accountability, having people around you, having the Word of God rooted in you. I can honestly say this is the only thing that's keeping me alive today. The fact that even when it's tough, you keep picking up this Word and reading it every single day. That's what keeps you alive. When you miss a day, you read double the next day. When you miss two days, you read triple the day after that. You catch up. You don't just skip those chapters that you didn't read. That's weak. We're not called to be weak. We're called to be mighty warriors, we're called to be strong Christians. Don't be led by your emotion. You know, this numbness that, that we get sometimes where you just don't feel anything, you know, is, is good for you. Is good for you. It's good for you to learn how to be numb and keep serving God. It's good for you to learn how to not feel anything at all and keep serving God and keep doing the right thing. It's good for you. It'll build, it, it'll build character and strong bones, you know. That's, it'll, it'll do that in your life. Keep, keep going. Keep doing the right thing. If you don't feel anything keep coming to prayer if you don't have anything to pray you know what don't even sit down just stand there start walking around and just just pray in tongues just even if you don't have anything to pray about just just pray in tongues and that's it just keep doing the right thing there will come a moment where that spark will come there will come a moment where that where God will pour out on you and and when he does it means that you've passed this test it means that you've gone through it you've been faithful and, and he's pleased with what you've done and after that, you'll see that, that, that the word of God fills you and you start speaking to people and you're getting everybody around you excited, not, not by your words, but because God's speaking through you and he's doing these amazing things in your life. Just keep going. Keep going. It's not fun. It's, it's not going to get any easier. Just keep going anyways. Throw away your emotions. Throw away your feelings. Keep fighting. Keep going. Don't give up. Don't, 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 give, don't give Satan that opportunity to get into your head. God still loves you. God still came and died for you. God still poured out his blood for your salvation. Keep fighting. He went through something exactly like this when he was in Gethsemane. He went through something exactly like this when he was hanging up on the cross. And he's saying, Father, Father, why have you left me? He didn't feel nothing. And he could have called down those legions of angels. He had that authority. He had that power. But he stayed faithful. He kept fighting. He kept going. And through that, we see our salvation. We see our lives today. When we are faithful, God will bless. You know, emotions, they can be an awesome thing in the right perspective. You know, when you're staying faithful to God, you know, because God himself, he has emotions. You know, it says he's got, he gets angry. He, he has joy. He, he, he gets jealous. You know, jealousy is not necessarily a bad thing. Envy is a sin jealousy is not jealousy it's just you have something that I want and jealousy can sometimes push you towards working for something because you're like I want to get what that guy has in life envy is when you're like you have something that I don't have and I don't want you to have it either and you have anger toward that's envy it doesn't say God is an envious guy says God is a jealous God. sometimes jealousy is good sometimes you need to look up on other people and be like you know what they're farther up than I am. I need to to push it into fifth gear I need to really start moving because they're all moving forwards. Everybody's going in one direction. I'm starting to backslide. And to a certain extent, that is jealousy. But you just got to use that as, you know, I got to keep going. I got I to gotta push up. I got to get on the same level. I got to do twice as much work as everybody else now to catch up and to be on the same page. If you haven't been reading these three chapters of Matthew, I have an awesome plan for you. Ready? Read all three of those chapters every single day up until camp. Every single day. Maybe read it once in the morning. Read it once in the evening. Get it up inside of you memorize these things memorize that jesus talked about the beatitudes then the salt and the light then he talked about the law then the then then anger adultery divorce vows revenge uh loving your enemies giving to the needy start memorizing all these things that jesus talked about start memorizing these verses that are so important in your life that will help you make it through those tough times you know dig into the word get hungry get desperate for for god's word inside of you you know when the, these trials come. We always, we're always faced with a, with, with a decision. I'm going to be ending. and I'm going to be ending here, but we're always faced with a decision, you know. Are you going to fight, or are you going to give up? Are you going to worship, or are you just going to stand there with your hands down, with your mouth closed? Are you going to pray, or are you going to be passive about it? Are you going to fight, or just kind of go with the flow? Are you going to keep coming to church? Or are you going to keep seeking God here? Or are you going to start avoiding everybody, hiding from everybody? You know, these trials, they always, they always give you a choice. Every single time, you have a choice. Either you're going right and you're with God, and it's that narrow path that we love so much that gets narrower and narrower the more we go. Or it's the wide path that everybody's on that looks fun, that's exciting. That all our friends are going on. You know, which decision are we going to make? Which way are we going to go? In, in, in a, this will be I think the last place in Matthew seven, verses seven and eight. It says, Keep on praying and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking, the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened that's I don't know. When God says things, I believe them. When He makes promises like that, I believe them. When He says, If you keep seeking, you'll find me. If you keep knocking, the door will be open. I believe that if I keep knocking, the door will be open. You no, know, we got to believe that. We got to get like Abraham. We're having no children. God comes up to him and says, You know what? You've been faithful. You're going to have as many children as the stars. And He Lived all his life and he didn't even see that. But he kept on believing. And now we see this nation of Israel. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. Just keep going. Keep fighting. The dark cloud will be over soon. The shine will light. The the, the light will shine. Blessings will come. God's Spirit will come. Just keep going. No, keep going. Don't give up. Don't, don't take the easy path. Don't, don't do what Satan wants you to do. Keep doing the right thing. Keep fighting. Because, uh, you know, this life is just it's the best life you could ever ask for. You know, and uh, at the end of Mark, when Jesus is about to uh, leave, leave the disciples, he says, he says, go into the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name and they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. I want to see stuff like that in my life. I want to do stuff like that in my life. I want to see people around me get saved. I want to see people around me get healed. I want to be like those disciples who were just walking walking down and there was somebody lame laying next to them. And when their shadow got on the person, he got healed. And it wasn't anything special about the apostles. The, the Holy Spirit didn't change. It's still the same Holy Spirit. It's just the only difference is their heart was so focused on God. God was so important in their life. That's the only reason those things happen. And if that happens with us today, if we get to the point where God will just be so far above Everything else in our lives these things will start happening in our lives. These things will start happening in our lives. Amen these things will start happening you know don't get don't get caught up in in, in living a life of you know I oh mean it's so so boring and so depressing life is so boring. Everything is so boring. Everything is so sad. You know, don't get in, you know, oh, you know. every Friday you're like, woohoo, thank God it's Friday. And then, oh God, it's Monday. And you go through these same cycles every single day, every single week of your life. know, don't go through that. That's the wide path. It seems great. It seems fun in the beginning. Then you get sucked into it and you're stuck. Today, God has given us freedom. We prayed about freedom uh, d- during worship. God has given us this freedom today. God has given us this word today. We can change today. We can change something in our lives today. We can turn around and like that Born to be Radical, that, that, that logo, we can turn around and start going against the flow. We can make that decision today. Amen. I want everybody to just stand up. We're going to start praying here. Just, uh, just really, the, the, the only thing I can really say is just, is just seek God. Just seek God in this prayer. If you don't feel anything, seek God. Just seek Him. Seek His face. Seek his revelation. Just just come to him and, and and just speak to him. Just speak to him. Just ask you to, to change something in your life. Ask him to change something. Ask him to do something. Ask him to move in a way that he's never moved before. Ask him to do something that, that, that you've never seen before.